Using an overpriced trash bag? Pricey, pricey, pricey! A bag that breaks? Whippy, whippy, whippy! Or a smelly bag? Stinky, stinky, stinky! You gotta snag Hefty's Ultra Strong Trash Bag. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty! It has Arm & Hammer odor control, so your nose and your wallet will be... Happy, happy, happy! Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags. Hefty Strong, all day long. Hefty, hefty, hefty! And a noon to Tuesday, coming at you. You're listening to Weissman and Oz. I'm Errol. And my partner, Stephen, cannot be with me today. Uh, Stephen has to work with the New York Metropolitans today. He does the party patrol for the kids. And since the game was rained out last night, he had to be there today. So he's being a responsible employee. And he has left me alone today, which... It's fine because, as he told me last night, the show must go on. So we have a fun, packed-full show today. We will have Chris Catello on from MLB Nation, or SB Nation, rather, to talk trade deadline. We will also have familiar face Rob Taub to talk whatever the Rain, talk about whatever the Rangers did in the last week as they've been very active. So let's just, uh, let's just start now. We should have Rob... Um, Chris on at 1.45 today. We will have Rob on a little bit five after two. So, yeah. Uh, let's get right into what was the big news yesterday uh, of the weekend, really. And that is the trade of Aroldis Chapman. And we have had the conversation for the last few weeks on this show, especially, about should the Yankees be sellers? Should they be buyers? Let me just say this. Trading Aroldis Chapman, and he said, he's been on record saying that he would love to return to the Yankees. He would have no problem with it at all. So I think whatever team, which ended up being the Cubs, whatever team he was going to get traded to, there was going to be a possibility that he would be back with the Yankees to recreate no-run BMC or whatever you want to call it. And I think they got a great value for him. We'll have Chris on, the expert, we'll have Chris on, uh, you know, 145 to discuss. But you got to think about it like this. You get the Cubs' top prospect in their organization that has not played in the major leagues yet. Because really, how many prospects can you have? I I mean, they're almost, this team... It's just has such a plethora of young players that it's unbelievable. I mean, you had Brian in that system. You traded for Rizzo, who was in your system. Contreras, Soler, uh, Alomar Jr. I, I mean, it's just it's just insane. He puts he gives the Yankees another option at shortstop, and you know I know Jorge Mateo is a shortstop. You have DD, and now you have this kid coming over to the Yankees, but you collect assets. You you worry about the position later. This kid's 19. And I've been hearing a lot that he's very athletic and he could find a different position if needed. Because DD looked very promising for the future. Um, Mateo is a guy that, you know, the Yankees have loved. A little bit of a knucklehead. He is suspended right now for getting a confrontation with a teammate. I mean, he's an A-ball. So, but... He is another guy that the Yankees do like in the organization and are setting up for the future. Now the question is, who else are they going to trade, if anyone? Now the Yankees won again last night, which you got to be happy with that. You go out and then you beat their, you beat the Astros, who have been one of the hottest teams in baseball. You go out and then you beat your their ace. So that was very surprising. And my, you know, because Keiko has owned them. And more surprising than anything, I mean, how many people, put a, put a, uh, put your hands up, please. How many people thought Michael Pineda was going to pitch seven one runs against a team that was hot coming into this game, who had their young prodigy, Alex Bregman, making his MLB debut, so you know the rest of the team was fired up. Who thought that? I mean, that was probably the most surprising thing of all yesterday, that they trade Chapman. The team, you have to think in the clubhouse that they're 
in their mindset, they're saying, okay, well, maybe the Yankees are giving up on us. And they go out and they beat Dallas Keuchel. You got to be pretty happy if you're a Yankee fan right now. You got to be happy with what they got, too. Because you got this much for a rental. Don't don't be fooled. You got this much for someone who is going to be with the Cubs for two and a half months. And we'll see if he returns to them afterwards, after the season. We'll see how far the Cubs go, see if he's happy. You don't know. A lot of things can happen. But he is a dynamic pitcher. He's electric. He is hitting the radar gun at 104. He's a top three closer in this league. And the Cubs got hopefully what they're what they're paying for because they paid a they paid a pretty penny. Twenty eighth prospect in all of baseball. That's what Keith Law has him ranked as. He apparently is an athletic guy. He's great defensively. He's still young. Don't get me wrong. He's nineteen years old. Which the Yankees haven't developed guys in a long time on a consistent basis, of course. I mean, you know, they developed. You know, Gardner came from their system. Cano came from their system. Obviously, he's not with them anymore. Uh, Pettit from a number uh, – no, not Pettit. Uh, yeah, it's off the top of my head. But the Yankees have not been the type of team to go out and develop players. Now this is what they're trying to do. You see the future. You see the light at the end of the tunnel. Even if they do not make the postseason, you see their plan, which it's good to have a plan. It's <laughs> In life, whatever it is, it's always good to have a plan. And the Yankees have a plan for their future. So we'll talk about more of the Yankees. They are seven and a half back in the division. And with beating the Astros yesterday, they are now four and a half back in the wild card. So they're still in striking distance. It's just that I don't think there's that much talent on this team that they're going to make a run. Because Stephen and I touched base on this last week. You look at the wild card standings and how many teams do you think are better in front of them? The Blue Jays are better? Yes. The Red Sox are better? Yes. The Tigers are better? Uh, even. The Astros are better? Yes. The Royals, who everyone was expecting to go on a big run, fell off a little bit. And now they're talking about selling. They put Wade Davis out there. They put Edison Volquez out there. So, very surprising. Very, very surprising that the championship Royals are the team that might be selling. So, but that is something to talk about with Chris. On to the New York Metropolitans. And a very uh, up and down last week for them. They go out and lose the series to the Cubs. And, you know, kind of rubbed you the wrong way, the way Terry Collins was talking about how he was basically declaring Saturday against Jose Fernandez a loss. Even with your ace on the mound, you're declaring that game a loss. It's gotta, and we don't know what he's saying behind the scenes. We don't know what he's saying in the dugout. But it was bad words for Terry, but that's what are under the bridge now. They went into Miami, won two out of three. Miami lost again last night. The back end of the bullpen that was supposed to be so fearsome and so electric and so reliable. They've had a rough stretch now. Fernando Rodney gave up a couple against the Mets. Rodney gave up a couple last night. Ramos couldn't hold the runners last night. So maybe we're seeing the true colors of the Marlins. Now, they don't get me wrong. They have a fantastic lineup, one through nine, and they're just going to get better. I mean, they're not, they don't have their power-hitting left-handed first baseman, Justin Bohr. They don't have D. Gordon, who's coming back this week. From one to nine, they got a great lineup. Something that the Mets tamed very well over this weekend. Now, it's pressure. Because you beat one team that's in front of you in the wild card standings. You're playing another one in the Cardinals that's behind you today. And with the rain out last night, they're going to do a straight double header. Which, something I didn't really get that the Mets do, just to touch off base for a second. You have, If you had a t- game ticket for last night, which my brother did, which was kind of funny because he pulled up in the stadium. I called him, are you there yet? Yeah, I'm here. All right, turn around, go home. Game postponed. Uh, you have to, you cannot go to the game today. If you have a Tuesday game ticket, you can go to the game. But if you had a game ticket for last night, you have to go and exchange that ticket for a different game. 
which was very, very odd. I found that. I, I just, I did not find that uh, appealing at all. I mean, bad job by the Mets. Um, once again, I'm on I-95 Sports Network. If you want to call, 1605-562-8001. Press 5 to join the conversation. Uh, we should have Chris in five minutes. Uh, Rob's coming on at two, again, coming on at 205. We'll talk a little bit of Jets, what's going on with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, very odd for them, but, uh, if you're the New York Mets, I, I don't know. You, you have to look at this. Okay, so you're two and they, maybe they caught a break with the down, the setback of Clayton Kershaw. Because there's one team in front of them right now. And it's the Dodgers. Or the two and a half games in front of them for the number one wild card spot. Uh, the tie with the Marlins, half game behind the Cardinals, a game in at, or a half game in front of the Cardinals, rather, and a game and a half in front of the Pirates. These are teams that are not far and away from the Mets. Not even, not even the Nationals are far away from the Mets. And there's only, the Nationals are starting to fall apart. I, fall apart may be a strong word, but they should have ran away with this division by now, because the Mets have been treading water since April. I mean, they, they're, they're hovering around 500 since that month of April that they had. They're five games back in the Nationals, and the Nationals should have ran away with this by now. I mean, you see them, they went out and they believe they've beat the Mets in every series except for one that they've played. They go out and they lose to San Diego the other night. They lose a two, three-game set from San Diego. Coming out of the All-Star break, they lost to the Dodgers. I mean, they, they've been trading one or two, and just because they have a just because They've beaten the Mets more times than not in this season is the only reason that they're up in the division. And now they got a tough stretch. They got a real tough stretch looking at it now. They have the Indians, two in two in Cleveland, four in San Francisco, who they paid a visit to Yankee Stadium this weekend and they didn't fare very well. They have been very mediocre. They've lost I believe six in a row. They have not been good. Then you gotta go to Arizona, which has been a disappointment, but it's never easy to go out west, so no guarantees there. As we know, there are no guarantees in baseball. If you're a Mets fan right now, you, you got to hope that this – all right, there are three things you should hope for. That Conforto can hold his own in center field, which he made a fantastic catch against the Marlins on Sunday. And, you know, you got to feel good about that because that is a catch in center field that one McGarris feels good about. That's a catch in center field that – Adam Jones feels good about. So, and what are they going to do with the deadline? There were reports yesterday that they offered Luke Roy straight up, or they offered for Luke Roy straight up for Travis Darno, which understandably got rejected by the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't think they're going to try aggressively to try to trade for Luke Roy, because I do believe that you do want to keep giving Travis Darno a shot, even though now there's a little bit less controversy today. Because while Rivera was supposed to start last night, which he might be the personal, he's looking like the personal catcher for Syndergaard, and you question it the other day when he was catching for Matt. What is how much playing time is Darno going to get if Rivera hits? Now we haven't seen anything from Rivera that proves to us that he's going to start hitting, but what where is Darno going to fit in all this? Because he can't stay healthy. And when he is healthy, he has not hit. And we, what we really knew about Darno is that he was not a good defensive catcher. He can't throw base runners out at a consistent basis. Rivera can. Rivera's better defensively. If he can use the stick a little bit better, if he gets hot, if he's ripping the cover off the ball the way Wilmer Flores was, which we'll get into him a little bit later because right now he is in the doghouse with Terry Collins for whatever reason, I cannot figure it out. Jarno's not going to be playing much. And I don't think you're going to get Luke Roy because you see what the Yankees got for, or the Cubs rather, or yes, the Yankees got from the Cubs for a rental. Luke Roy's under control until 2017. So you're going to have to give up a free penny just to get him. And it has, it's going to have to be more than Darno. You're going to have to give up Darno and plus. So it's going to have to be Darno and a Nimmo, a Smith, Rosario is untouchable. I think they've made that pretty clear that there's no way that they're going to trade 
Ahmad Rosario. They look at him as the shortstop of the future. Do not expect him to get traded, my fans. But he, in Lucroy, is a guy who is a good chemistry guy on the Brewers. You see that. He's a guy who can hit very well. And he's a guy who's a great defensive catcher. Something the Mets had been hoping to get from Darno for a while now. So, if you're the New York Mets, what are you doing at the deadline? Don't, don't, don't expect the Mets to go out and pull what they did last offseason. That doesn't happen often. It happened with two teams. It happened with them and it happened with the Blue Jays. Don't expect them to go out and pull off a trade where they're going to catch lightning in a bottle and it's going to be equivalent to what Cespedes gave you last year. Because it doesn't happen often. And it was surprising that it happened with the Metropolitans last season. Okay, 15 minutes after 1.30. Uh, haven't heard word from Chris yet. But he should be coming on soon. Um, so we will continue with this MLB deadline talk until he does. Uh, another few moves that has happened. Well, we knew about last week. The Red Sox are just decimated right now in the bullpen. Unbelievably. I, I You have, you know, Kimbrough, who's actually making faster progress than Dave Dombrowski anticipated. He's throwing, he's throwing off the mound. He had knee surgery. You have Koji Urihara, who, um, who has shoulder injury. And now they, who they did trade for was Brad Ziegler last week. So now he's closing games for the Red Sox. So you have that. You have the news that broke yesterday. Uh, rival of the Yankees, Mel, uh, the Blue Jays having Melvin Upton Jr. come over from the Padres. I didn't know exactly what they gave up. Uh, there wasn't a big fuss about it, so I don't believe that it was much. Um, yeah. So, deadline's coming August 1st. What will the Mets do? What else will the Yankees do? The Yankees, like I said in the beginning of the show, people can't, don't, don't expect the Yankees this this to be the selling point. Don't expect them to take a threshold on a division lean. Don't expect them to take a threshold on a wild card spot because that's just not what is going to happen though. Because they're not that good of a team and we all know this. Because they have it's two steps forward, one step back. And it's there's no consistency with this team. But we will see that, and we will talk to Chris about that. Chris Catillo of SB Nation is on with us now. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, my partner, Stephen, unfortunately cannot be with me today. Uh, so you are stuck with me today, my friend. Um, <laughs> uh, we appreciate it for you taking time to come talk to us. I know around this time you were probably very, very busy. So Yeah, it's getting, um, it's getting crazy, but... That'll, no problem at all. Um, so I have to ask you, uh, we'll talk, talk about the news that broke yesterday. Ken Rosenthal broke the news. I, I believe you had it first. Uh, Roldis Chapman goes over to the Cubs for four prospects, one of, one of them being a top pro, the Cubs' top prospect in the organization. Do you believe the Yankees got a value for Chapman, or do you think uh, they got, quote-unquote, a king's ransom for him? You know, I think I think they got – a, a very very good return, and I think it just kind of talks. It just really speaks to how how all in I guess the Cubs are right now. You know, I don't think every organization would have paid that price for a reliever, but the Cubs saw it as a weakness on their club. You know, obviously they have that championship drought, which plays a huge role in all this, and they decided to make a move. And I think it really is an interesting move for both clubs because we're not used to seeing the Yankees being sellers and the Cubs being buyers at this time of year, just historically. But here we are with the Yankees actually willing to give up a piece and really restock their farm system. So I thought in the short term, it's a great deal for the Cubs and the long term, it's a great deal for the Yankees. I think that's really what you look to see this time of year. There's some overpays over the years that just don't make sense. You know, there's, it, I, there's a lot of debate about the Drew Pomeranz return and Anderson Espinosa going from Boston to San Diego, but, you know, the Cubs kind of get a pass because they overpaid at the right time. This is their best chance to win a World Series in a long, long time, and I don't think anyone's blaming them for going for it. 
Yeah, and to be clear, this is a move for the Cubs that, for everyone who's listening, that not to push to the playoffs to get a World Series berth and to win the World Series. Um, this move doesn't exactly say that the Yankees are selling, but do you see more coming? Because if they got this much for Chapman, who's a rental, don't you think they could get a lot more for Miller? Are you hearing anything on that front about Miller and Beltron? They seem to want to keep Miller unless they're absolutely blown away. So, you know, he's controllable for two more years. I believe it's only $9 million a year for those two years. So I think unless they're really blown away and they can get someone like Lucas Giolito from the Nationals, and that's not happening. But if they were able to do something like that, they would probably look to move Miller. I think Beltran's more likely to get moved uh, at this point. But the problem is you might not get that much value back for him in an outfield market where there's so many pieces available. We saw kind of the first chip fall today with Belvin Upton going to the Blue Jays, but you still have guys out there, whether it be Jay Bruce or Ryan Braun or Steve Pierce or all these types of guys. Beltran would obviously be a really good piece for a club, but on a saturated outfield market, I'm not sure how much you can get back. Yeah, And to go back to the prior trade to Glaber Torres was really the centerpiece of this deal. He's 19. They say he's a shortstop. Now, you know, my sense of mind is to get assets and worry about the position later. They have Mateo, who's going to be an A-ball with him. They're both shortstops. Didi looks promising. Do you see this kid any this kid uh, playing a different position for this team, or do you think he'll stay put at shortstop? Everybody's a shortstop when they kind of break in, and every really good player when they're 18 or 19 is a quote-unquote shortstop. So when guys get moved around, I think, you know, you can probably put a guy at third, a guy at second. You guys are always becoming outfielders, so as you said, I think worry about the position later. Yeah, yeah, very, uh, you know, very interesting to see how that's gonna transpire in the next few years. Uh, to go across it's a good the river, to have, though. yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. To go to go across the river, um, virtually speaking, uh, the Mets reportedly offered a trade to the Brewers straight up. There are no for Lucroy. Understandably, the Brewers rejected it. Do you are you hearing anything that the Mets are still talking to the Brewers, or do you think that was just they were just doing their due diligence? I think the Mets are definitely looking at Luke Roy. A lot of clubs are. The Indians and the Rangers are in there too. So, but the people I've talked to believe that Darno is is not really that good of a value, kind of for obvious reasons. He's injury prone, hasn't produced at certain points over the last couple of years, and then you know they. There was a package of Darno and a prospect that was kind of floated, and people don't think that's going to get it done either. So we have a team with a really good farm system like the Rangers or a team like the Indians who are really looking to push and maybe make a big catching addition with Jan Gomes on the disabled list. I think the market's really going to set itself high for Luke Roy in the next couple of weeks and or in the next week. So I think he's probably a likely guy to be moved, but I'm not sure how aggressive the Mets are going to be there. Uh, last year, we saw the Mets make a deal right before the deadline with Cespedes, caught lightning in a bottle, and we all know the story. They all went to the World Series. Uh, do you see – obviously, I don't think I see that kind of move this season, but what do you see on the Mets front uh, at the trading deadline? It's mostly the talk with them is right now about relievers. Uh, just a lot of different names are being thrown out there, whether it be Joe Smith and Houston Street in Anaheim or Chris Withrow in the Bra- with the Braves. There's a lot of different – scenarios being thrown out and they're probably going to be able to get a reliever on the che- on the cheap you know obviously they're not going to be in on the millers and the wade davises of the world but they're going to probably just look to add some complimentary pieces and uh that, those always are are you're able to get them for not too high of, uh, of a price maybe a minor league reliever something like that so i think that's really where their focus is right now there was talk about maybe if Lorette doesn't work out, maybe for a starter, but we know the starter, the market for starting pitchers is not very, you know, for lack of a better word, good right now. Uh, are there any starters out there that no one's really talking about? Because we saw Pomerantz get dealt for a lot. Uh, do you see any starters getting dealt before the deadline? It's gonna, the starting pitching market's the worst it's been in years, so that really hurts teams that are on the fence about buying a starter, I think. Teams that really need a starter, obviously the Red Sox really needed one. The Rangers are looking hard. The Dodgers need one. obviously need a couple because of all the injuries there. So those teams are going to be aggressive, and they're going to have to overpay for guys, whether it be Rich Hill or Andrew Kastner, who could get traded today at some point, or a guy like Jeremy Hellickson, maybe, or maybe a couple of the Yankees' controllable starters. So the Mets probably don't want to make an overpay there. And uh, so that will be an interesting one to monitor going forward. But, Obviously, injury concerns there. Harvey out for the year. Syndergaard and Maps dealing with some stuff on their own, and 
they they could make a move if if the market sets itself a little bit. Uh, nothing really crazy surprising right now. I mean, you saw Melvin Upton Jr. get traded yesterday, Ziegler last week we touched on. Uh, do you see really a blind eye trade right now? Maybe something that's not too realistic right now. Maybe somewhere in the lines of an Evelyn Goria, but will end up being surprising at the deadline? Or do you just see well, everything as it is? Do you see everything as it is just staying that way? I've been told by a few people that Longoria is probably not going to go anywhere. So in that name specifically, uh, probably not. But I, I think a really interesting team to watch is the Colorado Rockies. They came out and said last year they weren't motivated to trade Troy Tulowitzki. They didn't want to. And then, boom, in the middle of the night, he's a Blue Jay and basically shocked the world. So I think the Rockies front office has the capability of doing that with Carlos Gonzalez, maybe with Charlie Blackman. Um I think Gonzalez would obviously draw a ton of interest from a lot of clubs if he was really being shopped. All right, and uh, one more thing before I let you go. Um, on the buying front, there are a lot of teams that have flaws, obviously, a lot of World Series contenders that have flaws. Chapman got traded yesterday. What team do you think will end up making the biggest splash before the August 1st deadline? Well, right now there's two clubs that are off to a real head start with that, the Red Sox. Not getting, not only getting Drew Pomeranz, but also Brad Ziegler. He's been a good a good addition to the bullpen, and Aaron Hill provides some infield depth there. The Cubs making two big bullpen additions. I think the Mike Montgomery trade went a little bit under the radar. Um, obviously, the Chapman deal is much bigger. So I think those two teams have a real uh, head start here. I think another couple other teams that could look to make some big upgrades the Rangers, the Dodgers, and the Marlins. I think the Rangers and the Dodgers, if Chris Sale is moved, those teams are kind of the leaders for that right now. The Red Sox could jump in, but you'd have to give up. Obviously, the time of that conversation might involve Mookie Betts, which I know the Red Sox wouldn't want to do. So I think the Rangers are going to be aggressive across the board. One or two starters, probably. Probably some relievers. There's Luke Roy. The Marlins already got Fernando Rodney, who's an all-star. And now they're looking at starters. Andrew Kastner is an option there. Rich Hill is another one. They're looking at the Yankees guys. So really those are the clubs that I think are going to be the most aggressive. Uh, you mentioned Chris Sale. We all know what happened the other day, kind of really going AWOL, cutting up the jerseys. Uh, you posted an article on Twitter yesterday that the Dodgers may be willing to give up yards for to acquire Chris Sale. Do you actually see Sale getting moved? I think if – I think teams are desperate enough where it makes sense for the White Sox to shop him. You know, in this really terrible market, it makes sense for the White Sox to put Sale out there. It makes sense for the Athletics to put Sonny Gray out there. And it makes sense for the Rays to put Chris Archer out there. So I think all three of those teams will kind of float those players, see if they're able to get anything that absolutely blows them away. And if the Dodgers are willing to talk about Julio Urias, then it's probably something that could get done because that's a name that they weren't willing to part with for Cole Hamels last year, and it shows that they're really – you know, value sale at a completely different level and would be willing to make that move. So I think, you know, right now, sale is the biggest fish out there, period. But I'm not sure exactly on the likelihood of him getting dealt. Okay. All right. Chris, we appreciate you coming on. We know how busy you probably are around this time. Uh, we thank you again, my friend. Yep. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Thanks, Chris. Chris Cattell, everyone. SB Nation. Great guy. Great insights. So, uh, a lot of insight on what's going on around the league right now. And nothing really surprising uh, besides the fact that maybe the Rockies could make a trade, make a splash, sell off one of their pieces like they did last year with Tulewitzki. Chris Sale, I don't, I don't really see that happening just for the fact that a team is going to, like Chris just said, a team is going to have to give up an absolute king's ransom just to get him. And it might be worth it because he is under three and a half years of control. Now, I read this article the other day on, which I'm trying to find it now, read this article the other day, the seven teams that could find Chris Sale, could uh, trade for Chris Sale, uh, that would have the ammo to, you know, the pieces. Um, It was on CBS. The... Main team was probably the Rangers, only because they have a lot of people. They have Mazar, they have the outfield that are in in AAA right now. They have Gallo, who can't seem to find himself in the major leagues over the last couple of years. But like Chris said, uh, something that doesn't 
really sniff reality because he is under three and a half years of control. He is a top pitcher in the mat now in the uh, major leagues, probably in the running for the American League MV, uh, American League Cy Young. Rather, uh, it's going to take a ton to get him, and it's it's going to take a package that is just going to be unfathomable for any team to give up. So, thank you again, Chris. Uh, we appreciate the time. Fortunately, my partner, like I said, cannot be here. Stephen is out setting up the dunk tank for little children at the field right now. Thank you very much for your support, Stephen. Um, okay, so we're going to have Rob Talbon in five minutes. We're going to talk some Rangers hockey. I have the lineup for the Mets while we're waiting for Rob to come on. I do have the lineup. I don't believe... No, it's nothing different from what it would have been last night, but you have Reyes leading off at uh, third base, Granderson hitting second in right field, Cespedes hitting third in left field, Lonely cleaning up, uh, Kelly Johnson at second base, and he's hitting fifth. Cabrera, if he will ever get a hit with running scoring position ever again, he's playing shortstop, hitting sixth, Conforto in center again, hitting seventh. That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Rivera hitting eighth, and he is the catcher with Syndergaard on the mound tonight, or this afternoon, rather. Uh, the pitching matchup, I believe, was supposed to be, for tonight, was Jaime Garcia versus uh, Bartolo, Bartolo, or was it Verrett? Uh Either which way. The Mets, for the most part, is Garcia versus Colon, so you can probably... This is, this is the problem I have with Terry Collins. Ride the hot hand. And he said last year when he said, you know, if you're going to hit, you're going to play. And he's completely gone against what he said last season. Because Flores has hit, what, seven home runs in this month alone? And there's still six, <laughs> there's still six days left in this month? I mean, come on. What Neil Walker is, is four for his last 35. Four for his last 35. And we know how the Mets are. They don't like to admit their mistakes. And I'm not saying Neil Walker's a mistake by any means, but ride the hot hand, Terry. And I'll, I'll give – I leave Cabrera in the lineup for now because he has been very stout defensively. He has been brilliant in the field. So he's 0 for 31, 0 for his last 31 with runners in scoring position. Probably, I think it's the record for a Mets player to go hitless and runners in scoring position was 0 for 41, I want to say. or No, 0 for 38. It was 0 for 38. He's 0 for, 30, 0 for his last 31. So you're just praying and hoping that he his bat finally wakes up. Because if the Mets are making a run, which you, you hope they are if you're a Mets fan, I hope they are too, he's going to have to wake up. Walker's bat is going to have to wake up. You hope what you're going to... You, what you got from Conforto in April, you're going to get for him again for the rest of the season. So uh, you have, no, with other news, you have Duda, who is actually with the team now. He is sitting, you know, he's not clear for, or he is clear for baseball activity, I believe. But this is the thing about Lucas Duda. This is a guy that, well, <laughs> I, I don't want to, return the demons of the Mets fans from the World Series, but Loney is a very good, very good defense, very solid at first base with his glove and with his bat. He's he is something that the Mets don't have. The Mets most most of the Mets hitters in that lineup are swing miss guys. Swing for the fences or you're gonna strike out. And you live and by you live and die by the home rumble. And for the last several months, the Mets have died by the home rumble. Loney is the only guy that's a contact hitter that's going to put that ball in play. So I, it's just it's not a guy that you can take out of this lineup right now. Even when Duda comes back, let Duda be a power left-handed bat off the bench, off the bench rather. Uh, let him come up in late innings against the righty, you know, against the righty, put him up to bat. Maybe you get a home run out of him. So. Uh, we have a caller. I believe this is Rob Tal. Rob, are you there, Rob? Harold, how you doing, man? What's going on, Rob? It's good to have you back on the show. Good to, uh, good to have some company with my partner ditching me today. Yeah, I feel for you. 
But, you know, <laughs> and to the Mets. Yeah, the Mets, man. I, yeah, uh, they took them away from me. Uh, we have Rob Taubon, Rob Taubon from Stan Fisher Hockey. Uh, Rob, to get right into it, uh, we last was it a little bit more than a week ago now. Fan favorite, leader, you know, real leader of the, the Rangers was traded away for a young kid, Mika. Uh, want to say his name for me, uh, Rob? The Benajad. The Benajad, that's right. Uh, Mika Benajad, a guy that people really like. Uh, what do you see the the uh, the Rangers gaining from this trade? Well, I, you know, I see them. They got younger. Uh, Brasov is twenty nine. Uh, Benajad is twenty three. Uh, Benajad, he's a little bit bigger. He's got a little bit more skill set. Uh, I think it was basically that Jeff Gordon just wanted he wanted to change things up. I really did not expect Brassard to be traded before Nash or Stefan. I know someone told me his name was out there, but, you know, it was quiet. Supposedly this trade was uh, first in place at the draft. I think Gordon knew at that time that, you know, Zabinijad was going to be the one. You know, 51 points last year. Um, he's got uh, 64 goals in his career so far, 151 points. I think the Rangers got a really, really good deal out of this. You know, and I look at it where he's going to be an RFA next year. He's making uh, $2.625 million this year. And I think Gordon and the rest of the coaching staff, I think they expect him, you know, to replace Broussard, you know, at the, just like that. And I think they expect him to be, you know, that 30-goal, 30 30-assist 30 guy, you know, even maybe hit 75, 80 points. Because, you know, how, how much are you going to depend on Rick Nash and Chris Kreider, who just got a new deal, and Kevin Hayes. You know, I think they're really going to depend on Zabinijad to be that real, that top-line, uh, top scorer. Yeah, and you uh, you said it. Uh, I, you said it. I thought it. A bunch of Ranger fans were very surprised by Broussard getting traded. Uh, you kind of got the sense this isn't it. Do you see any other surprises that Jeff Gordon has up his sleeve? You know, with... They have $3.425 million left in cap space. Uh, now, unless they trade Rick Nash, who has a $7.8 million cap hit, I just can't see anything else. I think that um, they might be done for the offseason. You know, Larry Brooks said yesterday that the, the Shattenkirk rumor was, you know, that's gone. And, you know, I don't think they – I think it would have to give up a lot to get him – I just can't see really any more surprises from the Rangers' standpoint. I think that they got a good mix of young and old. I think they got um, they got faster with you know Gerby and Grabner, and they got their core guys signed and Hayes and Miller. Uh, I just can't see any more surprises unless it just comes straight out of left field. Maybe I don't know. Maybe trading Mark Stahl or Dan Girardi. But I think Gordon's looking. He might still be looking, but I think he's looking for the right type of deal that, like he got with Zabinijad for Broussard, where he's going to get a guy who's younger, who's maybe a little bit more hungrier, who, you know, has been uh, through the trenches in the playoffs. You know, Broussard, he was with the Rangers all these years that they were going through the trenches in the playoffs, and he was a great playoff performer. But I think that Gordon finally realized that, you know, it was time to make that change. And if he sees another one, uh, I like I said, I can only see it coming out of left field. Uh, okay. Um, I guess you know, like you said, probably no more surprises. I don't think it would be a surprise to anyone if Nash did get traded. There were some vague rumors out there that you know they were in talk with the Predators. Do you see them moving? It? And they were gonna, they would have to take some money if they were to move him, correct? Absolutely. I, I mean, like I said, he has a seventy seven point eight million dollar cap hit for the next two years, and then he goes to UFA in twenty eighteen nineteen. So. The Rangers will have to get back either some value for him and probably uh, have to take the money left on the contract, depending on who he gets traded to. I mean, Nashville, I haven't, I did not hear that rumor. I think that would be a great fit for him, you know, get him back in the Western Conference uh, where, I mean, he played with Columbus for a while and then they moved to the East. But, I mean, Columbus has a ton of young defensemen, They've got a good, a good uh, batch of young forwards, 
and who knows the prospects that they'd be willing to give up for a guy like Nash, who he could still score 30 goals and put up, you know, 65, 70 points. But I think that, you know, I just can't, I could see him being traded. But like I said, Gordon is looking for the right, he's looking for the right type of deal with the right type of player to replace a guy like Nash, a guy like Broussard. You know, but I don't know. Nashville, maybe I could see Los Angeles maybe in the mix. I mean, I haven't heard anything, but you're looking at teams that are still looking for scoring in the top six. And, you know, Anaheim comes to mind, Los Angeles comes to mind, uh, Arizona comes to mind. But, you know, it, it should be very interesting to see over the next three months if Nash is still a Ranger by uh, opening night. Uh, Rob, one bone I have to pick with you that uh, happened, <laughs> happened on social media is regarding the money that Chris Kreider got. Uh, I think it was fair what they gave him. You think he got overpaid. I, I want you to tell me why you think Chris Cryer got too much money for what he was worth. Well, him to get $4.6 million at 25 years old, and he still has not even hit 30 goals in a season, I just I just can't see why he is worth, he's worth almost $5 million. I mean, I know he's scored uh, 21 goals the past two years, but he's been very consistent at times. You know, you could see you could see his attitude sometimes gets in the way of his game. I mean, you see sometimes he takes stupid penalties, but I just don't like that. I don't like that contract because I think that four point six million dollars for a guy who really still has not proven that he can, you know, be twenty five, thirty goal, or even, you know. A thirty-five plus goal guy, which the Rangers expect him to be when they when they brought him up in the playoffs four years ago. I just don't see that four point six million dollars was you know was the right amount. I like I told you, I would have gave him four point two five at the most because I saw last week the Rangers were looking to give him three point two five, and he wanted four point uh, uh, he wanted over four million. So I just. Didn't like I didn't like the numbers on the contract. I still think he's got a lot to prove. Uh, like I said, he's got 30 goal potential, but it, it's now it's time to show it. They're giving him 4.6 million dollars. He's him and along with Zibanejad, he's got to be the two guys that really changes to the next level. And really, it's more Kreider than Zibanejad because he's a homegrown guy, and now they're giving he's one of the top paid players on the team. So he's got to he's got to put up the numbers. Uh, fair enough. I guess I have no problem with uh, the Rangers paying with what they hope he could be, just because I see oozing potential with Chris Kreider. Uh, one more before I let you go. What do you think about the money that Kevin Hayes got? I think maybe it was a little bit too much for a guy who didn't really produce last season, like you said earlier. You know, a few weeks on the show, he looked slow. He just. What do you think about his contract? I think that the. The, giving him 2.6 for two years, fairly reasonable. I think that you know the Rangers, they see it as a, a bridge deal, but like he's just like Kreider, he has to show more. He, you know, like you said a few weeks ago, I said he was he did look slow, he looked uh, out of place at times. Now, I mean, what's called he he's got to really step his game up. You know, 2.6 million dollars it might not be a lot, but it shows that the Rangers have faith in him. And, you know, going into this year, now he's going to have to deal with, you know, he might, you know, find himself in the, on the third line if, you know, with the Rangers now, the top six getting, uh, what's called, uh, the top six got better with the additions of Zabinijad, with now Kreider being signed, Miller being signed. So with Hayes, that $2.6 million, he's got to prove, he's got to prove it to him, to himself. He's got to prove it to the coaching staff. He's got to prove it to, to Gordon that he was worth it. Because you know, come two years down the road, or even in the next in the next two years, if they wanted to trade him, you know, that two point six million dollars is not a lot uh, on the table. But at twenty four years old, um, he's got a lot. He's still got a lot to prove. I mean, the whole thing with the Rangers this year, and especially with the deals they gave to Miller, Kreider, and Hayes, is they're banking on them to be the guys that you know take the next step that make sure that the future is intact when it comes to the forward position because, you know, behind them is Buchnevich, and then you got guys, who, you got prospects 
who are just, they're not ready just yet. But, you know, they're going to be gunning for them, you know, in a year or two. And, you know, I'm sure that all three of those guys are going to be feeling the pressure. And even with Zabinijad now in the fold, they see that their spot is not, uh, what's called, it's not certain that they can have a spot two or three years down the road, especially if they're going to pay a guy like Zabinijad next year if he puts up big numbers this year. So all the all the names, especially uh, Kreider and Hayes, they have to they have to prove a lot this year. Yes, yeah. uh, definitely something that worries me that the Rangers are trying to uh, are banking uh, on this many guys to have breakout seasons for them. Uh, Rob, I appreciate the time. I include Stephen when I say this. Uh, you are my favorite person on this show. <laughs> uh, really appreciate it. That, thank you very much, Rob. You have a great day. You too, man. Hey, Rob Taub, Stan Fischel Hockey was on with us. Uh, we had Chris Catillo of SB Nation on before. Very fun, pastel show. Uh, had some callers waiting. I guess they grew impatient. Uh, very interesting stuff with Rob. Uh, he's right when he says that the Rangers are just Listen, you're banking on Miller to have a bigger year than he did last year. You're banking on Kreider to take a step up. You're banking on Hayes to take a step up. Bushevich is going to be on this team this year. Zvenejad is you're relying on him to put on thicker numbers than he did last season. The Rangers are used to be a team that was pious on their defense. Henrik Lundqvist was a brick wall for them, which he still can be. I mean, but he's going to need help up front. You can't just leave a two-on-one or a two-on-oh, three-on-one, whatever it is. Uh, and give the other team numbers for him because he's not going to sell pucks like that anymore. I mean, he showed that in the Pittsburgh series. He saves he probably could have made a couple years ago. He did it. He's getting older. Father time is undefeated. And you need to put more help, younger help around him. Now, what Rob said is, you know, he thinks there's going to be no more surprises. I have to agree with him. Uh, Broussard was a big one to swallow because, you know, he was a guy, he was a fan favorite. He performed for you in the playoffs, aside from last season, where no one really performed well at all. But uh, you got younger. You got cap flexible. You got cap, uh, cap flex ability to re-sign Hayes, re-sign Kreider. Uh, you're going to have to pay this kid a ton of money next year, but you'll worry, we'll worry about that when it comes to comes to mind. So uh, nice that we got a little bit of hockey talk. Uh, unfortunately... Nothing really basketball going on lately with my partner not here today. I wanted to take advantage of that, but uh, most I can say is Derek Rose, he's delusional, everybody. Whoever, now he's, the report came out that people, 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 who, now I want to know who people is. People are saying that the Knicks and the Warriors are the super teams. Whoever those people are, you should remove them from your life. Because they are terrible people. What are you thinking going out and saying that in a magazine? The super, are you kidding? I just want the playoffs. Playoffs? I just want a postseason number. I want the seventh seed. I want the eighth seed. Talking about a super team? Are you out of your mind? Come, oh, God. You need to stay healthy. You, you, you're on a contract here. You need to stay on the court. No one needs to stay on the court. Porzingis has to develop. There's so many different things with this team that could go wrong and they could miss the postseason, let alone a super team. Come on. I said I was on record on this show a couple weeks ago. 26 teams in the NBA are irrelevant. And I'm not lying. And I guarantee a bunch of people wouldn't even say 26. They would say 27 or 28 are irrelevant, which they're probably right. And I'm being nice just saying 26. Russell Westbrook on the Spurs would help that case. I still put him as a contender to win the championship. But, it, come on, Derek. Just shut up and play, please. Shut up and stay healthy. I'm begging you, Derek. I just, I want to play off for it. But just give me that. Oh, God. Uh, well, it's uh, yeah, July 26th. Uh, Two minutes, two nineteen, and one second. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is still a free agent. Uh, he's aggravating me. Um, me and Stephen are talking about doing maybe a Fitzpatrick beard challenge. Maybe just grow out our beards until. Thank God we didn't, because we would have looked like Kevin. We would have looked like Ryan Fitzpatrick for Christ's sake. Uh, 
I won a record last last season, and I it's somewhere on social media. Honestly, I'll find it, post it on the fan page. I went out and said, the way the Jets were playing last season, the way quarterbacks were fall, dropping like flies in the, uh, the uh, AFC last season, I thought whoever got the sixth seed was going to go to the Super Bowl. And I was so sure of it. I was so open about it. And it could have happened. Uh, the reason why I thought that was because all the cards are played for the Jets or the Steelers, and it ended up being the Steelers. And the quarterback situation for Denver was a mess, which now it's a bigger mess. Oh, God, we'll get into that a little bit later if we got time. But the Patriots were decimated with injuries. The Bengals lost their starting quarterback. The Texans, give me a break. Uh, the Chiefs. I mean, they're okay. They're beatable. All these teams were beatable. There was no dominant team in the AFC playoff picture last year. And I really did believe that whoever got the sixth seed was going to make it to the Super Bowl, which they could have. If Andre Burfick doesn't destroy Antonio Brown on that illegal hit, and he plays the Denver game, if Le'Veon Bell was healthy, if Big Ben was fully healthy, yeah, they probably would have beaten the Steelers that day. I'm sorry to say. Obviously, a lot of hypotheticals, but... Nothing we can do about that now. Uh, the Jets don't have that chance this season. What they have a chance to do, they have a, they have a chance to go out and compete. Compete for a playoff spot. There's four games without Brady. You, you can't take advantage of it, obviously, because you don't you don't play them within the first four games. You have – now, I'm looking at the first seven games, and I question if this team could win a game. With Geno Smith at quarterback, and you know, you know, even with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, it might be difficult, but you would have a better shot. I, I how many the Jets' quarterback situation has been such a mess for so long. If you count the teams, uh, how many teams think they have something at quarterback or do have something at quarterback? The Jets aren't one of them. I mean, seriously, Patriots. That's no question. Uh, you can include the Bills. Dolphins gave a lot of money to Tanning Hill. They think they have the guy. Bengals gave a lot of money to Dalton. They think they have the guy. Steelers, obviously. Flacco won a, won a Super Bowl. Browns take them out. Texans paid a lot of money to Osweiler. They think they have the guy. Luck, Bortles, Mariota. Denver's, you know, they drafted the Paxton Lynch. They obviously, they used the first, they traded up in the first round to get him. They obviously think they have their guy. Uh, the Chiefs, Alex Smith is very solid. They think, you know, they think, can he take him to the promised land? Probably not. Can you put a team around him and win? And if he's a game manager? Yeah, so they have a plan. Raiders, Derek Carr, Phillip Rivers. They gave, Redskins gave a lot of money to Cousins. Uh, the, the Eagles try, you know, give up a King's Ransom just to get a guy that they believe that can be a guy in only a year. Dallas has Romo, Bridgewater, Rodgers, Stafford. I mean, all these, you can go down the line, and I'm looking at it right now. Probably just the Jets and the Browns are the two teams that don't believe they have the guy on their roster. And they don't. Because let me put a scenario in everyone's head. And I reiterated this enough. If the Jets go out and just have Geno Smith at quarterback, which, God, please, just I hope they don't. Because I'm not a Jets fan, but I don't mind seeing them win. If they go out... And they have throw Geno Smith out there in quarterback. You play Cincinnati, that's a loss. Buffalo, loss. In Kansas City, loss. Seattle, loss. In Pittsburgh, loss. At Arizona, loss. Baltimore, loss. Right, you, you can literally realistically say this team can start out 0-7. This team really can. And then you're in the – and then say Deshaun Watson goes out and lights – the world on fire this year, like we expect him to, and goes out and wins the Heisman. And then you're in the talks to draft another quarterback with a high pick. When you already wasted a fourth-round pick on Petty two years ago, which it would be a waste. If you went out and spent a top-ten pick on a quarterback, everything you've done in the last two years has been a waste. The second round on Gino, the fourth round Petty, the second round on Hackenberg, who they seem to like a lot. McCagnus got some ties from when he was with Bill O'Brien, and Bill O'Brien was the coach for the Penn State, whatever it is. You, this can be a lot of wasteful draft picks that the Jets could be could have used if you go out and you lay an egg out this season, which they absolutely could. Even with Fitzpatrick, they could. But the point is, this is a win now team. 
And I've seen Geno Smith. I've seen the story. I know how it ends. I've read, I've read, this, I've read the book. I know how it ends. And we had a caller come, come on here last week and said, how are you considered Fitzpatrick a leader? Because he's burned ties. He hasn't answered Marshall in weeks. The Jets haven't, him and him haven't talked in weeks. How is Geno Smith a leader? You know what's not good leadership? Getting your jaw broken by a teammate who probably wasn't even going to make the team over $700. You want to call that a leader? That's not a leader. Eli Manning, he's not a vocal leader, but you don't know what goes on behind. He's been the quarterback for 10 years. It's unbelievable what's going on with this. How long this has dragged on, I've never seen. Only the flight gate I've seen drag on longer than this. And we're talking about the Super Bowl from two years ago this happened. We're getting ready for preseason. And Fitzpatrick still has not signed up the dotted line. He's threatening to retire. It's, it's just, I, I cannot fathom how long this is dragged on for. I, and can the Jets compete for a playoff spot? I, I don't think so. Because I look at their schedule, and I look at the teams that improved, and I look how... All right, they got Forte. Is he a plus back? Yeah. Is he an every down back these days in his career? No, I don't think so. You look at Marshall. You look at Decker. These guys aren't getting any younger. Father Time is undefeated. So this is clearly a win-now team. I mean, they lost some pieces on defense. You're going to rely on Buster Screen to be the guy that's opposite of Darrell Revis now because Antonio Cromartie obviously did not work out last season. He was god-awful. Even Darrell Revis has lost a step or two over the last couple of years. You saw him get burned in a lot of games. One memorable one was getting burned by DeAndre Hopkins on a fly route. He just absolutely scorched him on it. So... The guy you're paying the most money out of any in NFL history to a cornerback is going to have to do a lot better than he did last season. You have Screen, who was a good third. It was a good, you know, he he emerged as the second cornerback last season, opposite of Darius, because Cromartie was just so god awful when he was on the field because he was hurt a lot last season. He was banged up. You lost snacks to the Giants, an addition I love for the New York Football Giants. Uh, you drafted a guy in Darren Lee that you hope is going to be able to keep up with Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett, Charles Clay, you know, a lot of these guys that you're going to have to see a couple times a year. But I do not see good things for the New York Jets this season. I really don't. Uh, the Giants are a different story. And got about four minutes left. Let's get into a little Giants talk. Uh, the Giants I see differently. I really do, and I'm not just being biased because I am a Giants fan. I will come out and say it. I am a Giants fan, but I'm not trying to be biased. This is a team that spent a lot of money on defense. Spent a lot of money on Jenkins, Snacks, Olivier Vernon. So there's a lot of hopes for this team to claim a postseason berth. There was a video out. Victor Cruz was looked pretty good. You saw him running well, cutting well. He went on, uh, he was on 98 uh, ESPN New York with Michael Kay the other day saying that he's 100% healthy. Now all we gotta do is see it. You got him, you got Shepard, who a lot of people love. That could be a very, very dynamic offense. Now let's look at their schedule. At Dallas, who the first four games, they, oh my god, they, I, I gotta, I gotta see how many people do they have that is suspended for the first four games next season. Uh, I ran off the top of my head, Randy Gregory, um, why am I, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, just a plethora of guys. And, well, I didn't realize what time it was. Uh, so we would have to catch on to that next week. Uh, Stephen wanted me to talk about the Fantasy Football League, of course, because the kid's obsessed, but what are you going to do? I love him either way, even though he left me here in the dry this, this week. Uh, make sure you join his fantasy fo- our Fantasy Football League. It is on the Facebook page, Twitter page. 
thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much, Rob. Uh, a lot of in good insight today at the deadline. By the time we are on next week, me and Stephen, which Stephen will be here, uh, by the time we are on next week, it will be August 2nd. So the day right after the trade deadline, uh, a day that is in the middle of the Subway Series that we will have this season, uh, the Yankees could look real different. So could I, Mets, I don't see it, but the Yankees could look very, very different when we're on here next week. So, again, thank you for everyone who's listened. Thank you, Chris Catello of SB Nation. Thank you, Rob Tab of Stamp Digital Hockey. We had a great show today. Uh, I missed my partner, but, yeah, not that much. No, I'm just kidding. He, we complete each other. Like, uh, as, um, what was it? Rob Schneider would say in Billy Madison, we are like lamb and tuna fish. Love that movie. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Rob and Chris. We appreciate it. Uh, this is I-95 Sports Network. Uh, you can listen to our show on the podcast. The podcast SoundCloud will be put up. Uh, you can listen to our show on the SND podcast. Uh, yeah, a lot of podcasts will be put up. Uh, SoundCloud, SND. Uh, I-95 Sports Network, everybody. We'll see you next week.